Guess who's back? It's us. The Ask LFC Podcast. Oh yeah. Who are you? Uh, I am Harrison Gilming, the Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville, and I'm here with... Mike Moses, lead pastor of the Lake Forest Family of Churches, uh, lead teaching pastor at Lake Forest Church Huntersville. The Ask LFC podcast is uh, specifically for people at Lake Forest Church Huntersville who have questions about sermons, about our discipleship process, about uh, our mission that we're going on, um, and we bring in special guests. Uh, this year, Harrison, we're going to bring—the last year was our first year of the podcast, and thank you to you guys who were participated. This year, we're going to bring a, a little bit of fresh direction to it, a bit of fresh order, uh, a, a weekly purpose, and we will roll that out next week. Yeah, we really enjoyed, you know, we uh, as we debriefed at the end of the year, we're talking how are we feeling about the podcast, and uh, both Mike and I agreed. It's, it's been a really neat season of getting to do this with you guys, and we've really enjoyed getting to hear uh, some of the feedback from those of you guys who are listening. As Mike said, uh, the main purpose of this is for us to interact with you guys. So as always, you can you can always send us uh, questions to the email address asklfc at lakeforest.org. But uh, you mentioned special guests. Uh, Mike, well, give us a little sneak preview of who we're going to hear from here in a couple minutes. Our feature today is a special guest, Dr. Tim Laniak, uh, Bible scholar of Gordon-Conwell Seminary, uh, one of the preeminent um, Protestant seminaries in the world, founded by Billy Graham. Uh, he's been past dean and is professor of Old Testament. More importantly, and germane to Lake Forest, he is the primary author and originator of Bible Journey, which is uh, the Bible study uh, app or material that we are using as a companion to our church's trip through a year in the uh, the whole story of the whole Bible in a year. So we're going to have Dr. Laniac himself on in just a moment because the number one questions we have been receiving in the new year, Harrison, are about Bible journey. How does this fit in with the sermon series? How could I use it myself personally? Is it really going to work to use it as a community group? So we're going to get to know Dr. Laniac and a little bit about the origin story of Bible journey. As a as a quick story of testimonial, uh, I Ooh, have testimonial. Yes, I have never uh, used Bible Journey before. About a week ago, and um, I uh, w- when I went through college, I I got a uh, a degree in religion with an emphasis in biblical studies. And one of my favorite things about uh, studying the Bible were uh, a couple of those first classes that you take in college as you're studying the Bible. Uh, are called Old Testament Survey and New Testament Survey, which mm-hmm. is basically just mm-hmm. give me give me all of the ground level knowledge of what is happening in the story the of the Bible. The same in graduate school of theology and seminary for me. So uh, it was really delightful to me and how we've been doing it. Uh, my wife and I normally are kind of normal routine. We'll get the kids to sleep. We'll sit on the couch. Lately, we've been watching Downton Abbey, if you ever watched that. Fantastic. And uh, so what we've been doing is before we flip the show on, we'll sit there with my laptop and go through 20 or 30 minutes, watch some of these lessons of Bible Journey, and it's been super easy. And uh, Dr. Laniac does a killer job with it. This is not a paid advertisement. I just really <laughs> like it a lot, and I'm really Great. excited to do it. Great. Well, um, before we, we call Dr. Laniac... Um, 
We've had almost no questions, Harrison, as to now why are we doing a series for a whole year that's the whole story of the Bible in a year? Like zero questions. What's really fun is every Lake Forest Huntersville person that I speak with or where it comes up, they're like, I am so glad we're doing this. This feels right. It feels right this year. Yeah. Uh, I thank you, and I'm looking forward to tracking. And and they've ministry partners often note to me, I like the idea that we're all going through the same thing together at the same pace. It's also been really cool. Um, I've I I heard of a story, Mike. You've heard plenty more uh, since I shared one with you. But it's been really cool to see also that there are some folks who. Uh, are more curious than anything about the claims of Christ and the claims of the Bible that like they're in, they've told us, man, my, my antenna's up a little bit here because I'd really like to see what the Bible has to say about itself in, in its mm. own words on yeah. its own terms. Yeah. And we've had some people who have, uh, just even knowing that we're going through this has got them, uh, their interest is peaked and they're dialing in a little bit extra, which is really cool. In particular, one person who commented, uh, they have never worshipped here in person, started worshipping online through the invitation of a friend, has never been a religious person. That's this person. That's his self-description. And uh, is now has a new Bible and says, I'm, I'm, I'm all leaned in. I want to learn more. This has been a good addition to my life, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing if I can get to know God through the whole Bible. So I'm excited about that. We're, we're, um, uh, we chose to do that. I want to give credit. We're a family of churches, and uh, part of our uh, the power of that is our pastors from all of our churches and some of our staff get together every six months, and we ask the question, what word from God do our people of God and their unchurched friends need to hear in the next six months? In other words, what are our sermons going to be? And it was Aaron Gibson, the lead pastor of Lake Forest Church, Westlake in Denver. This was really his idea he brought to the table, and me, Michael Flake, Victor Leal, um, Byron Davis, we were, we had, there was almost zero discussion, Harrison. We were like, we should do that. Yeah. Usually we talk for like an hour about one sermon, whether we should do it. <laughs> we're like, that is just right, especially in this time. Hmm. So we have a huge lean-in factor. Uh, we're going to talk now about Bible Journey, where it came from, get to know the author of it, uh, and hopefully it may answer a few of your questions about it. Let's, let's call Dr. Laniac now. Hey, who's on the line here? Uh, this is Tim Laniac, your old friend. Hey, Tim Laniac. Uh, hey, Lake Forest friends, this is Dr. Tim Laniac. We'll, uh, he and I are friends, so we'll call each other Tim, to, Tim and Mike today. Uh, I know you guys are used to calling me Dr. Moses the way I always insist. That's right. But, uh, but <laughs> I'll just go with Mike since I'm with you, Tim. Um, thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, just this morning, Tim, I had an early morning elders Zoom. By the way, Lake Forest Church elders were already Zooming before the pandemic. I would just like to claim a little precociousness there. Uh, but that's mostly because we do 6.30 a.m. Wednesday morning meetings. Um, but, Tim, this is our first meeting of the year, and our active elders— uh, who were they were not the ones who planned this Bible focus or Bible journey. They've certainly uh, 
budgeted it for us, uh, you know, uh, cheered our, our pastors on leading us to do this. The elders are like, Mike, we have this great sense of unity in our church about the whole story of the whole Bible in a year. And then three of our elders were like, oh, I'm digging Bible journey so much. I, you know, I've gotten started. I just started last week, and, and they, I had to make them stop talking. So I'm thanking you right now on behalf of the elders I was Zooming with this morning for Bible journey. Well, Mike, I don't know if, um, if they're fully aware that you were a part of the origin of Bible Journey. So, you know, about 10 years ago, we met with you uh, when I was at the seminary as the dean and was teaching Bible. We met with you and a number of other faith uh, leaders here in the Christian community to see what what we could do together that might be what you could call sort of in the space between church and seminary, you know, sort of higher level discipleship, higher level leadership development, mm-hmm. something that the seminary could contribute to, but it would be grounded and anchored in the churches. And Lake Forest has always been right there at the front. Um, you help launch it. You're one of the point churches. You've had a vision for reaching out not only to your own congregations, but also to the region and to the country. And so it's been a great partnership. It has been. All we've been doing is cheering you on, recognizing your mm-hmm. unique giftedness, Tim, as a uh, an internationally um, acknowledged and acclaimed uh, Bible scholar, particularly Old Testament and Hebrew, the Pentateuch, uh, but also as someone who, who uh, for instance, when we took a busload of Lake Forest people to the Holy Land and you were our Bible teacher— well, our, our, our regular old Lake Forest people were hanging on your every word, taking copious notes, because you, you have the ability. You're, you're, people hear seminary, even pastors hear seminary, and they, they think ivory tower and take the fun out of it or take the faith out of it, really. Um, and you do the opposite in a way that is accessible for me as a doctor of theology and for every woman. Uh, in the pew, and so I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And Tim, you, I appreciate you you mentioning that. This is a moment to highlight one of the reasons that I and our church are in the Presbyterian stream of Christianity. We don't think it's the only or the best, <laughs> but it's where God's placed us, is we continue to hold a high value of an educated clergy in particular, to know um, yeah. the history of how the church has treated the Bible, where we've gone wrong, in past centuries, where we've gotten it right, and how can we build on what's right and and protect against error of what's been wrong? And and so, thank you for your help. I, I have a high view of an educated membership of the church, and mm-hmm. so we're we're offering Bible Journey not just as a course for the percent of our congregation who say, "Oh, when Doctor Laniac talks about this is this is right between church and seminary." level of what Harrison earlier referred to as a Old Testament survey class and New Testament. There's a certain band of our church who are highly motivated for that class, and that's what we prototyped with you in partnership with a few other churches five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're really calling our general membership to step in and supplement their weekly Bible reading. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. We have a a a five-day-a-week uh, reading plan that leads up to the sermon yep. at, that next Sunday. So our congregation mm-hmm. is not reading the entire every word in the Bible, but we're tracking the story. And one of those days, we've partnered one Bible journey lesson 
that moves that story forward, mm-hmm. but, but takes it into your this space of a whole new way of learning scripture. And we're really calling as many of our membership level to engage with this type of Bible learning and see what it does for their walk with God. So thank you for providing it. Well, I want to have a shout out for, um, you know, for the the Presbyterian value on an educated clergy and an educated congregation. Um, and for the unique mix at Lake Forest of the head and the heart, um, it's it's palpable whenever I'm there that it's a very heartfelt faith that you're nurturing in worship and in teaching and preaching and in your programming. Um, but I, I know there's a difference when I'm out in churches and anything that sort of feels at all like it requires a little bit of headwork, it gets written off as academic and therefore somehow useless. And I think, uh, you know, to love God with our whole heart and mind, it just, it requires sort of pushing the boundaries in every direction. And sometimes you have to do a little bit of mental work to have a paradigm shift that can actually have huge kind of existential consequences in our life. Sometimes that's where God pushes. And sometimes he does it through service, puts you on a mission trip. And by doing something, it changes your spiritual um, kind of compass and mooring. And same thing with heartfelt worship, you know, it just, we're kind of multimodal people, multi-sensory, and God uses all of those to grow us and to get to us. Well, that, that's encouraging to me as pastor, as we're we're spending the month of January really sort of getting this opportunity out, clarifying what we're talking about. It's taking a while for folks to get their head around what, what are the opportunities mm-hmm. for engaging the Bible in a year. And you're encouraging me to, to really stay faithful in that. Uh, and then once a quarter, we'll we'll do a big push to re-up and offer that opportunity for, for folks to take a new step that could lead to some kind of a, a, a breakthrough in their heart or their head or otherwise. Mm-hmm. Sometimes 10 yeah. people mistake me <laughs> as a pastor and a Bible teacher because I pretty much cry once a sermon, sometimes twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I give mistaken for like a heart-only guy. Uh, so... So I appreciate that. That means a lot coming coming yeah, from you. No, okay, Tim. I know, I, you know, I know the balance, yeah. Uh, Tim, I want to ask you a, a pointed question about your big idea purpose behind this, and then I, I would like to invite our people to get to know you a little bit and, and do a little origin story on Dr. Tim Laniac. If I understand you through the, the years that I've known you, you're, you're as a seminarian who's prefer, preparing ministers— God has given you something unique uh, that is not necessarily the calling of most seminary professors and it, or deans, and it's the the level of Bible literacy for Christians uh, who are normal everyday members of a church and they're living out God's mission in their job, their home, etc. Why do you care about Bible literacy for everyday Christians so much? Why is it important? What made you care about that? Well, it's the kind of the watershed in my life began with reading the Bible. So just a little brief testimony. I, I grew up in a Christian home with Christian school, a good Sunday school program in a church, a lot of Bible everywhere. Uh, but when I was in high school, I just felt sort of spiritually vacant, and I was praying that God would make himself known to me, speak to me. And for a few months, I didn't hear anything. And then um, at a Christmas back in 
1970s, um, I, got, I asked for a Bible for Christmas, and I started reading it every day. And the lights absolutely went on, and they went on every day, and I heard God speak every day. Wow. And so that's just like a personal reason for me to think that we have this treasure that we often neglect. We still kind of go around asking each other, how do I know God's will, and why am I struggling with this and struggling with that? And it's like what the Bible says about itself is that it's God's resource for us, along with His Spirit who inspired it, to move us out of sin and addiction and trouble and to move into a place where we hear God's voice and follow His leading. So I've just been close not only in my own experience to the Bible's power, but also my wife and I, Maureen and I, have had a chance to serve in a number of countries and visit places where the church is alive and well, and it is a remarkable confluence of the work of the Spirit and the and the reverence for God's Word, where you see the church just thriving. And unfortunately, I, so anyway, that, that sort of keeps fueling this burden for me that, you know, the Bible was meant for us all, and it's um, just often neglected at our own peril. I'd like to. I hear... mean, and it's a little—it's a little scary. I'm sorry to say, it's a little scary to think about where we are as a country, where we often hear that people don't have time for Bible study. And I am not interested in guilt and shame and all that. But we we hear a lot about people saying they just don't know if they have the time for ten minutes a day, twenty minutes, a half an hour, or amazing, you know, commitment an hour a day, but. The, the data is all too obvious that people do spend an awful lot of time on social media and surfing with Netflix and whatever else. And right. there is actually a lot of um, discretionary choices about what we fill our minds and our hearts with. And God's Word is full of promises that when we yeah. fill our life and our mind with His Word, sometimes it'll be that experience that you had in, in, in those uh, those early days of your faith, and we, we, we can say, I heard God speak daily. But many times, <clears throat> and what we're praying for our church for the year is, when you fill your heart and mind with regularity over a year, you look back and God has changed you. Um, Tim, mm-hmm. I would like for people to hear, um, we, I, I think uh, folks could, could assume, oh, seminary professor, that dude has been studying and studying and studying his entire life. That's probably all he does. He's probably a geeky guy back in the day. <clears throat> and uh, I, I would like for people to hear about your ministry um, calling mm-hmm. um, and then how you were led to, to seminary. But what? tell me, tell me the origin um, of you and Maureen's call to your first years of, mm-hmm. of ministry to people. Sure. Yeah, I would say probably um, we have repeatedly moved into some form of ministry, often cross-cultural, and then kind of get pulled into an academic setting for more education and then back out again and then pulled back. Or by the time we were done with schooling, it was kind of at the same time. So hmm. I, 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 like I said, I grew up in a home that had a, a, a vibrant faith and, and there was a strong mission interest. And I just kind of came to the conclusion after my kind of uh, kind of that new birth experience that I described mm-hmm. that really what God 
would obviously want me to do would be to be a jungle missionary um, to some place in the world where the gospel had never gone. That just made perfectly good sense. Wow. It was sort of the Jim Elliott um, okay. conviction, you know, that we have a big log that we're all carrying, which is sort of the the mission of God in the world. And nine people are at one end of the log and one person's the other. And that's sort of the way the demographics are of people serving in the world. Even if you go to a country like say Kenya, you might say, well, what, what if I was going to be a missionary in Kenya? Well, almost everybody that's in ministry is in Nairobi, the capital. It's just, huh. we, we concentrate in areas like that. So I just kind of assumed that's what I would do. And um, I went off to college, a Wheaton College, for a year. I was a Bible major, and I was starting to study some, you know, so, social sciences. So I, I'm really interested in culture, studying sociology and anthropology and all. But I felt this need and yearning to be in a kind of pagan environment while I was, you know, going to school. And I wasn't even going to go to college in the first place. And actually my father, oh. who had sort of <laughs> helped stoke the flames of mission in me, when I said I was going to go right from high school to work with New Tribes Mission, he said, well, why don't you at least get a year of Christian college? Um, okay. And so I kind of um, kind Good of headed job, to Wheaton, Dad. but then I— Way to go, I, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> so— I um, I went to uh, Salem State College in Massachusetts, and I lived in a co-ed dorm, and it was just a, kind of a uh, an immersion in a very pagan environment. And Tim, the, the Tim, one of our pastors chose to go to a seminary where they said, "I want to I want to actually be formed as I'm having my education, including the Bible. I want to be in the public square while I'm doing that, so that I'm reading the Bible and applying it to the public square today." Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's—so I, I actually—that's where I met Maureen, by the way. I, huh. I, I had a chance to witness her new birth, and it was a very dramatic one, and her baptism, and a lot of friends that were just uh, kind of bl- just blown away by watching her go from kind of darkness into light. And, and, um, and then because I just couldn't really find a purpose in staying there apart from, you know, just saying, well, I want to be in a kind of pagan environment. I, I felt compelled to go back to Wheaton to finish up my degree. And I went back by way of Israel. And it was a study program that Israel had, that, that Wheaton had put together that included Israel, Turkey, Greece, and Rome. And so what ended up happening was I, I kind of left this environment that was kind of more missional for me. And I went into a place where studying the Bible opened up my eyes to what I didn't know, and I never would have known that I didn't know. And it was especially because the geography, the history, the culture, mm-hmm. all of it was different than than what I had sort of, you know, surmised. And I mean, in reality, I think I, I thought I knew the Bible well, because I'd memorized a lot of Bible verses and passages, and I could answer a lot of the basic objective in, information. But I was having a kind of cross-cultural experience with the Bible, and not just with Arabs and Israelis and Catholics and Maronites and whatever. Okay. And um, so that just sort of put an imprint on me that actually my interest in serving people in other cultures had something in common with understanding the God who had revealed himself in another culture and time and place, and that I could learn that way. So. Wow. Anyway, Maureen ended up coming to faith. She ended up going to Moody for a semester. We we got married, um, and we went to Greece as short-term missionaries. And and again, God really led me um, dramatically by reading the Bible 
about going to Greece. It was just uh, huh. day after day after day. I was just reading, and God was confirming a calling to work with a, a Greek family that we knew in the Chicago area. So when we were in Greece, I, so I had done some carpentry, and when we were in Greece, I was doing, um, I was working on a building that was used for ministry during the week, and I was preaching and teaching on the weekends. Okay. And um, it turned out that by the time the summer was over, I realized that I made a modest contribution on the construction side, and I made a <laughs> modest contribution on the teaching side, and that actually I needed the locals to help me. I mean, they needed to translate for me and they actually had more to say than me. And they, you know, and I just thought, you know what, if I'm actually going to serve overseas, I have to do something substantial Mm -hmm. that really doesn't just make other people set me up to have an experience. Mm -hmm. And I just decided that I had talent maybe in carpentry, but I had gifting and teaching and I needed to go to seminary to develop the teaching. And, um, and so God opened up a door for us to um, start at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. Maureen is also a teacher. She had been teaching in international schools and um, immigrant schools, refugee schools and all. And um, so for us, going to seminary was also continuing ministry. I, I volunteered at an international house in Boston. Okay. And, uh, and then we went to Israel, studied over there, traveled and served throughout Asia for a year, came back, and we ran this international house for five years. Huh. So as seminary came to a close, we were working with students from all over the world, all different kinds of um, religious backgrounds, literally Confucius, Zoroastrian, everything. And um, and then after seminary, I thought, you know, well, what do I do? And we thought about expanding the hospitality ministry in Boston that we were running. Um, And then I, I kind of thought, you know, if I were to do more study, it would involve things that relate to Israel and the background of the Bible. And um, I, I started a program at, at Brandeis, which is a Jewish university in Boston that had a program that huh. gave me a, you know, a scholarship to go there. And I kind of tried it for a year and it was, a, it was just great for me to study with Jews and all, but I actually started to learn more what would be involved in a PhD. Mm-hmm. And so um, we, I transferred to Harvard and got into a program that had more Jewish scholars and also a lot more anthropology and Bible. And we moved into a senior citizen complex that was Section 8 welfare housing, and I was a, man, I was a resident manager. Hmm. So really, I, I never stopped working, and I, in a way, I never stopped studying, and we, we never stopped having ministry out of where we were working. So hmm. for five years we were with international students and then for the next five years we were with immigrants mostly from eastern europe a lot of them holocaust survivors and so kind of at the end of all that um we came to charlotte not only to teach bible but also to start the urban ministry program which was um kind of an important mm-hmm. part of what i was passionate about and it was really just we had some our kids had some disabilities that kept us in this country we were assuming all along that we were going to just move back overseas and this kind of seesaw between school and ministry. I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't move <laughs> overseas. You, you've had plenty of influence on um, uh, leaders in various countries and cultures, um, more so than if you had gone to one specific culture, that is for sure. I just want I, I appreciate hearing, I didn't even know all that, Tim. I appreciate, I, I wanted our folks to hear, and myself again, that the teaching that we're receiving in Bible Journey is is rooted in an initial deep heart for ministry 
and finding mm-hmm. each of our place in God's mission in the world. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's the heart of it. It is not ultimately a, a, a heart of uh, anything intellectual. It is in service to the mission of God through understanding the Word mm-hmm. of God better. Tim, how would you—I'm uh, curious— because you say all that, and it makes even more sense to me, some of the unique sensibilities that I get when I walk through the Bible journey material. I'm in the middle. This week, I'm doing the Genesis 3-5 to portion. I believe it's Lesson 3 in the Pentateuch. Um, how would you say that your unique um, interest in sociology, your your engagement with people of multiple cultures and religions, your deep engagement with Israel, how do you think that uniquely marks the the teaching and the approach to the Bible that's found in Bible Journey? Well, I think, um, I mean, one thing that I think people experience on our trips is a sense of adventure with what is sometimes the unknown or the strange and foreign. Um, so I feel, I feel very... Um, I have a lot of genuine enthusiasm for the Bible, even in those things about the Bible that make it different. And, and, and that's because in so many cases, there's been a discovery or an insight or a perception along the way that sort of has loosened something up to make it make sense and to make a difference in my life and other people's lives. So, you know, a lot of academia um, can, can sometimes actually approach people in the church or people that go to seminary, a lot of academia can mm-hmm. sort of approach them in a very subversive way to say, we know what you thought you knew, but it's wrong, and we're going to show you why. Yeah. And my sense is that really the discoveries along the way point to something deeper that doesn't really undermine faith at all. It reinforces it, but there's often a, sort of a twist to it. So for me, to put it simply, the Bible is like a cross-cultural trip. It's like a cross-cultural mission trip. People go to Guatemala, they go to, you know, they go to Cambodia. They will often find themselves saying, I never knew, I never thought, I, I, but, but they're also saying, when I met Christians, they're, they're different, but they're like us, and, I, and it reinforced my faith. And just sort of that mix of things for me has been characteristic of, of good Bible study. So I, I do want to invite people into that, that world of the Bible and hope that they have— um, maybe there's going to be a little dissonance. Maybe there's going to be a little bit of a, a, a moment of, of pause. I never thought of that. But, but it, there's always kind of a pastoral invitation to say, well, just hold on to that for a bit, and let's see where it takes us. And it's and, always a good place. And Lake Force people, I, I think if, if you are, are taking the plunge and uh, one day a week, taking one Bible journey lesson a week, which, which typically is 30 to 40 minutes, depending on the, the amount of time you give to it, I encourage you to hold that cognitive dissonance a little bit of a, di- a, a, a you're taking a really a different angle in on the Bible than you may have taken before. And just keep taking that angle for a while until you own it and understand it. Tim, I have a specific question out of what you just said. So I've been engaging the earlier lessons of Bible journey and and as you you lay these cultures up against, you, you make a lot about some of the comparing Genesis one, mm-hmm. two, and three to other creation narratives in ancient Near Eastern cultures that neighbored Israel at that time. I, you're in a tomb. Uh, you're in a uh, an Egyptian 
uh, <laughs> something or yeah. another with a scholar. Yeah. And here's a here's right. an Egyptian serpent god whose head is being crushed by the heel of an Egyptian god who may be a son of an Egyptian god, etc. Mm-hmm. When we see parallel, when you're showing us parallels of what we learn in, in the Old Testament, in particular in the Pentateuch, um, to other religions in, in Babylon and Egypt, what, what should we be thinking there? Do, does that, what, should we feel a little, any threat to the originality of the biblical story? Should we feel validation? Hey, look, other people had this hint too? Or should we be like, well, the Bible authors were plagiarizing? What? Tell us how to navigate that a little bit. Yeah. I, that's that's the most um, big, hairy, audacious, um, you know, question in the curriculum is what do we make of God's revelation, the Scripture, in light of a lot of similarities that it has with the literature and the culture and the institutions around the Bible? I, I actually have five guiding questions that I ask at the end of every single book in the Bible. Oh, the first okay. one is, what, 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 what did God reveal about himself in this book? And secondly, what, um, what did God reveal about his partner, his people, the people that he's created, and especially those that are chosen? Number three, what have you learned about how the Bible kind of fits together, like the Old Testament and the New Testament, but also what's kind of accumulating over time, what are themes and ideas and all that. Hmm. And then um, there's a, a fourth question, which is, what have you learned about the way God has revealed himself? So this is a little different than what have you learned about God, but it's sort of what have you learned about the Bible in its world? And, and then the fifth question is the one that you'd expect from a Bible study of any sort, which is, what has God been saying to you personally? And I want that to be the last question, because there is a learning curve be- before you want to say, how does this apply to my life? I don't want to ask that every single moment, because you want to be able to let the Scripture speak on its own. But that, that question about what's the nature of the Bible and, and how God reveals himself, for me, this is the highest question. It's the the most um, complicated and so I want people to just think about it, and if, if you're going through the whole Bible, I just want them to kind of bump into it uh, over and over again and say, well, you know, maybe I thought Hebrew was a kind of um, unique heavenly language. <laughs> Angelic, like yes, have, yeah. Right, like some people have thought about the King James Bible, just yeah. sort of just kind of came directly from God. But then you realize, you know, Hebrew is not the only language— and it's like a cousin to all kinds of other languages, like Arabic and Aramaic and all. And it's just nothing particularly unique about it, but God used it. And what about all the different genres in the Bible? Well, there's hymns, there's stories of origin, there's genealogies. In fact, actually, every kind of genre in the Bible is something that is shared in the ancient world. And what about the institutions? Well, actually, other people had priests, and they had covenants, and they had temples, and they had had armies. They they believed they had holy war when they fought with their God on their side and all. They, they had even arcs like the covenant uh, arc, you know. So what I what to get to your question, what I want people to realize is that if there is a lot of similarity, then where is the uniqueness? Not is there any at all? And I, I, I kind of spent enough time in academia to know that for a lot of people, those similarities simply uh, kind of build a case against the Bible having anything unique, but actually 
they help us recognize what's unique. So, for yes. example, what what you'll run into in these uh, these creation stories is that they always invariably are about multiple gods who are in conflict with each other, and the world is almost created as an afterthought or a byproduct or uh, as sort of a resolution. And in the Bible, God is singular, he's all-powerful, and he creates this world very thoughtfully, and humans are at the apex of the creation, and they're in fellowship with him. So I actually get that better when I realize what the alternative stories are that everyone else was listening to. And, you know, we'll get to Hammurabi's law code and say, well, boy, a lot of the laws that Moses gave God's people were similar. And then you start to notice the things that made Israel a very you could say egalitarian or democratized society where caste or class doesn't give everybody uh, a kind of a discriminatory benefit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to find this about every one of these things, the sacrificial system, so much more about blood in Israel system, none of the sexuality that was mixed with the sacrificial system, you know, there was prostitutes and sort of mixed in with female priests and also we're going to actually, I think, find ourselves in that kind of disequilibrating state where you say, well, I thought it was, I thought only Israel would have had a temple. Or, and then all of a sudden you say, but wait a minute, this is the only temple in the ancient world that doesn't have in the most holy place a pagan idol. That's the difference. That's and, remarkable. You know, Mike, just, to sort of, just, just to sort of fast forward, when you get to the New Testament and the Bible calls us temples of the Holy Spirit, and I think this will resonate with the forest, with the Lake Forest kind of view of, of, being Christian in this world, what makes us God's temple is something that's actually invisible. It's that in our heart, there's no idol, there's the Spirit of God. And so we don't define ourselves, and I know you don't at Lake Forest, you don't define yourself by what you wear, what you don't eat or drink, and what you do on a Saturday or Sunday. Like, it's not that. It's actually just like the temple always was. It was something that you wouldn't know (laughs) unless you knew what was in the Holy of Holy place, what's in the heart. Super helpful answer, Tim. Um, it's as though the, the the Bible is is a mini incarnation, and and uh, oh, like yeah. with the incarnation, part of exactly. the offense of Christ is his particularity as a human <clears throat> being in a culture, um, and and yet his commonness as a Jewish man who. He sat when he taught because that's what they did in synagogues in first century Palestine. Mm-hmm. Is that therefore the God thing to do? Um, no, that's part of uh, uh, super helpful, Tim, to hear you talk about that. Um, it's just good to hear you talk anyway to me. I've been Angie's been jonesing on Bible Journey, by the way, since New Year's, and so uh, she's spending more time with you than than with me. So I'm hearing your voice every morning in the Moses house. Harrison, you and Emily have have begun with Bible Journey. Yeah, this is our this is, has been our first interaction with the material, and you know, uh, Doctor Laniac, one thing that I really appreciate about what you've put together, and I think as we start hearing back from our church that is is really uh, something to be appreciative for is uh, I, I feel like you've done a really neat job of walking this line between uh, you're you're not you're not pulling any punches in terms of what you're teaching but you you I just really appreciate that you do it in such a relatable uh, way and in language it's really easy to understand I, I just 
um, you know, what, what, what led you as you're putting it together to approach it the way that you did rather than, you know, doing 140 minute lectures, you did these really easy to, to kind of digest chunks and in language that, you know, even somebody who's from outside the Bible can get what you're talking about in a couple minutes. Um, well, I have my, my interest in culture generally is not only about bringing the gospel cross-culturally and understanding different people and how they express their Christian faith. And also the Bible has its own culture, but, but there's a, I, I kind of came into my, you know, this seminary vocation in the middle of the technology revolution. Hmm. And one of the most obvious things that marks our whole society and has flattened the whole earth in the last 30 years is the presence of the internet. And with that, we, this major shift to being more visual um, and even to become an oral written, uh, kind of an oral literate culture. Like we, there's a lot of, I mean, people are just, they're, they're trusting things that they hear and see just as much as what they might've just only, you know, used to read. So for me, this is kind of a missional uh, intervention in a society which is saturated with um, technology and it's, but it's not like it's just uh, to try to go out and snag people. It's more like this, this is the air we breathe. This is the water we swim in. This is the language we speak. And I know we can do better than um, most of the historic um, Bible study programs. You know, a lot of them had stick figures. A lot of them were just print. Like we, we were slow. I mean, kind of the evangelical movement was slow when it came to educating people with 21st century material. So the attention spans different, the preference for videos different, the access to technologies like 4k drone and 360 immersive videos. And like, it's all available and it just seemed, and, and I, as I said, I, I'm also a carpenter. We just finished building a house. I, this, this was like a, an, an effort to build something that had, everything that would be helpful, everything would be useful, everything that even would have be beautiful. There's, there's something, I mean, one of my mantras for us in our house building is I sort of take my cue from the God who created all things is design, build, inhabit. And, you know, there's just ama- amazing how much thought God put into the world that, without sounding sacrilegious, but then he built it and then he inhabited it. And I feel like, well, this curriculum had a lot of design, had a lot of thought, and then we built it. But now we we need to inhabit it together for it to actually live out some of the, you know, some of the seeds that are planted in it. Like we, we're working on a teacher's guide right now, and some people thought, well, you should have had that at the beginning. I said, well, we don't really know all the different ways people are going to use this in different groups, and we want to make sure that we run with the users and not ahead of them too much. Mm-hmm. So we loaded the curriculum with a lot of questions and now we're trying to get as much feedback as we can to say, well, what, what does it look like? Cause I think we're a tribe. We're going to be a tribe of people that are learning together, doing this together. We're going to build web resources and, and eventually let the curriculum have maybe new content that comes from places in the world where people are saying this, this is what matters to us and in our setting. So it's, it's kind of a big experiment for us together in, in 
how to how to educate um, in the 21st century. Well, Lake Forest, we are uh, on, we are almost beta testing this along with Bible Journey for a church of our size, and so we're gonna it's gonna be super important to hear from you. How did this work? Does can this work as a devotional aid and not being in a class or a group? How did it work for your community group? To we're tweaking uh, uh, how we come up with a facilitator's guide to my community group. Tim is going through lesson three tonight as a group. It'll be our first time. We're going to be on Zoom. I'll be screen mm-hmm. sharing as we go through the different lectures, and our leader will be facilitating questions in between the different uh, segments. And so, Lake Forest, we're going to want a lot of feedback. Uh, we've got a whole year to get good at this. We'll probably be doing it differently in the fall uh, than this January. Tim, um, we're going to wrap up now. What mm-hmm. What would be an ultimate hope that you have for uh, for Bible Journey and its role in the I'll just say the American church because that's what we are. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll answer that with another um, genuine compliment, and that is that Lake Forest has a really healthy, robust vision to serve your people and in the process to provide resources and model uh, certain things for the rest of the church. So, so for the EPC denomination, for the American church, for the region, for the country. And I, you know, I've just been there at the beginning watching Forest Hills, I mean, Lake Forest say, we want to do this for our people, but then how do we open it up? O- open up the windows, open up the doors so other people in the region can benefit, et cetera. So I would say, you know, if, if Lake Forest kind of lives, leans into that identity as we want to do this for ourselves, but we also want it to be a blessing to other people, then you'll be the partner that you were at the very beginning, and we'll collaborate together. And I would say that if you do that, which I anticipate you will, you will, that you will, we will reproduce that kind of engagement with Bible Journey. And then we'll, the, the, the future vision of Bible Journey is for churches and ministries, denominations, Christian organizations, and businesses to do just that and then we're going to have all these pods, all these these groups that sort of have an organic dimension to how they contextualize their learning, but they're mm-hmm. also learning from each other as a part of the bigger movement. Well, thank you for that. That's a I hear you, and I accept that uh, challenge and call forward. And Lake Forest folks, something we did not include in the initial rollout because we we needed to be clear. Uh, is at some point through the year we will offer the ability for those of us who appreciate Bible Journey to gift a, uh, a subscription or two to uh, Christians in churches either in America uh, that are, who are in impoverished communities or in communities around the world that we can make that happen for them financially. That'll be one small way that we can do what Dr. Leniak said. Okay, Tim, I had a, I, I had a picture of you, a fresh picture of you today. When you described that you were a carpenter, and mm-hmm. you were you were trying out carpentry, and you were trying out ministry in Greece at the same time, and you're figuring out which am I really called to, I had this vision of Harrison Ford when he was a young man. <laughs> uh, he was a young man in Los Angeles, and he was trying his trying his hand at carpentry, and going for acting calls, and he mm-hmm. got the Star Wars gig. And so he gave up carpentry. He figured out 
you know, I could be an okay carpenter, <laughs> or I could be a great, uh, 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 what's his name in Star Wars? I could be a great Han, Han. Solo. <laughs> um, and so, the, the fast forward, I, in, I followed you all around Israel, and you are one Indiana Jones looking man. You got the Indiana Jones hat on. I'm telling you, folks, when he's in country, this man is is seriously like yes he's got the 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 indiana jones the lecturer back at the university getting the grants but when he's in field he is all indiana jones he's walking up in everything uh meeting shepherds and bedouins and uh and museum directors at the same time i like that about you tim (laughs) that's my picture (laughs) of you now (laughs) well well thanks i appreciate it mike and just Love to see what you guys are doing. Um, Lake Forest does a lot of things right, so I like to point to you. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, we love our church, man. I love our church. Um, hey, that's th- Tim. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate you giving your time today, as we're here on the front end of our whole Bible in a whole year. Uh, just to recap, we have four different layers of engaging with it. One layer is be there for the sermons. It's important to worship every seven days, especially in a pandemic, whether you're limited numbers in person or online. We're encouraging that on Sundays. And just track with the sermons and do some of the Bible readings. Level two is do some of the Bible readings, but download Bible Journey. And I'm, I'm really inviting every ministry partner to do this. Download Bible Journey and do one of those lessons per week on your own. It'll be You'll get it. It's a, It's there's so much there. It might take you a week or two. You're, you might be a little overwhelmed. But, but just do the lesson as, as it's stated there and, uh, and let that accumulate over time. The third level is those of us who are in a community group or you want to, we're going to start a new group or two for those of you who are not in a group that's doing Bible Journey, but you'd like to. It'll be a Zoom discussion group. So your community groups, we're asking all community groups to do it together for the year. And then the fourth level is for those who are called to do it as an Old Testament survey class this semester, New Testament survey class in the fall, uh, all the way you know how to do that. So that those are our, our four levels. Uh, uh, Tim, we'll be checking in throughout the semester as to how it's going here, and I'll, I'll let you know what God, we'll give you some God stories from our congregation. That's great. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Okay. okay. And Harrison, you, Harrison are we going to sign too. off now? Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys, everybody, for joining us again on the Ask LFC podcast. As Mike mentioned, we'll be back next week with some uh, with some more direction and looking ahead to what uh, 2021 is going to be like. You can always find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts, on Apple, on Spotify, on our website. Again, if you have any questions, you can email those to us at asklfc at lakeforest.org. We look forward to hanging with you guys next time. Have a great week. We'll catch you soon.